Hello, everyone. You are watching Writing Wrongs, my podcast. I'm William L. Myers, Jr., and I'm here today with Raymond Benson. And it's a big privilege for me because Raymond is a great writer, and he's a friend of mine. He has written over 40 full-length novels, including the Black Stiletto series, and he also wrote the James Bond novels following the death of Ian Fleming. We're going to talk about Raymond's career, about some of the books he's written. We're going to talk about Blues in the Dark, which I'm reading right now and which I love, and Hotel Destiny, which is coming out in the near future. Raymond, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me, Bill. This was very nice to, of you to ask me to be on. That's, I really appreciate it. Well, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Um, Raymond, tell me and, and tell the viewers a little bit of your background. How did you get into writing? When did you know you wanted to be a writer? Oh, wow. Well, uh, I didn't think I was going to be a writer. I, I actually wanted to be in theater. In fact, I was a theater major uh, in college, and uh, I wanted to be a director. And I did that for many years. After I graduated from college, I worked in the theater. I moved to New York City. I worked in off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway, off-off-off-off-way, off-Broadway, uh, and directed. And I'm also a musician, and I can uh, compose music. Uh, I would collaborate with playwrights who would write lyrics, and I would write the music to make musicals. And I uh, did a lot of shows there in the late 70s, early 80s, mostly. Uh, but then I kind of had a, a, a left turn. And uh, what happened was just as a fluke, kind of as a labor of love, I started working on a nonfiction coffee table book about the history of James Bond. Um, I've told this story many times on podcasts, but uh, I was sitting around with some friends and the question came up, what would you write if you had to write a book? And we all gave answers. And I said, well, I'd, I think I would write something about James Bond, you know. And at the time, in the early 80s, there was not a book like that. I mean, there had been biographies of Ian Fleming. There had been a couple of books on the movies by themselves. Uh, but I wanted a book that had everything, you know, a biography of Fleming, uh, critiques and analyses of all the novels and all the movies, and a history of the phenomenon, all in one big tome. And my friends heard that, and they just kind of went, wow, you should do that, because they knew I was a pretty big fan. Uh, I was, uh, I'd, I'd grown up did, with- Let me ask you a question. How did you, how did you become such a fan of, of the Bond movies? Well, I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm of, I was born in the 50s. So I experienced uh, the Bond movies from the get-go on the big screen. Uh, my father took me to see Goldfinger, the third movie, on the big screen uh, when I was nine. And about six months later, a double bill of the first two movies, Dr. No and From Russia With Love, came out. So within about six months, I saw the first three movies. And as a result of that, I actually started seeking out the Fleming novels because they were everywhere at that time, the paperbacks, you know. Right. And uh, so I started reading the books, even though maybe they were a little over my head at that time, but I could at least get the story and, you know, I would reread them in the future. Uh, but that's how it started. I mean, a lot of, a lot of guys my age, you know, Bond was, it was, you know, Bond was the Star Wars of the 60s. So um, I just, you know, became a good, big fan. And, and, you know, Fleming himself as a writer was very influential on my own writing later, uh, as far as how he uh, established pace and, um, you know, 
the, the kinds of plots and villains that he would use that, you know, very influential. But anyway, that's back to the 80s. That's, that's kind of started my writing career. But that, that book, The James Bond Bedside Companion, okay. it, took me three, it took me three years to do, uh, but it came out in 1984, got nominated for an Edgar, and that kind of set me on a new path. And how did, you, how did it come about that you were given this honor of actually writing James Bond novels after Ian Fleming's death? Well, uh, after his death, his estate would uh, decided that they would periodically hire new authors to, to continue the series, to write new books. And uh, the first one they hired was Kingsley Amos, who did one book in the late 60s. Uh, then uh, John Gardner was the, the next writer, and he wrote for a long time. He wrote all through the 80s and early 90s. Um, but, you know, when I did my James Bond bedside companion, I went to England and I, I did a lot of research there. I met members of Ian Fleming's family and his colleagues and the people who run his, his literary business, the estate basically. And uh, we all got along and they liked my book when it came out. So after that book came out, I did little odd jobs for them, no pun intended. Uh, but this is while John Gardner was writing the books. And um, they just, out of the blue, in the mid-90s, in late 1995, John Gardner had said he didn't want to do it anymore. He wanted to retire. They called me and asked me, would I be interested? <laughs> so it was kind of handed to me on a silver platter. Wow. That, that, that is really neat. Um, tell us a little bit about the Black Stiletto series. All right. Well, I consider that my magnum opus. I mean, I love my Bond novels. You know, and I love all my recent stuff uh, with Skyhorse, but uh, the Black Stiletto books, uh, it's five books. They came out between 2011 and 2014. Uh, it's really one big book divided into five. You know, it's one big story, kind of like the Harry Potter series. You know, you read them all and it's one big arc. Uh, that's the way the Black Stiletto is. It's a serial, you know, to, to tell you the truth. And uh, it just was, you know, it's about, a, it's about a woman who in the late 50s uh, who goes to New York and puts on a mask and calls herself the Black Stiletto and fights for social justice. You know, she's not a superhero. She's just a vigilante, I guess is what you'd call her. And she's active for about five years and mysteriously disappears. You cut to the present day and there's a grown man in the Chicago suburbs taking care of his mother who has Alzheimer's and she's in a nursing home and he discovers accidentally that she was the black stiletto. So the story goes back and forth in time to her story in the past and their story in the present. And um, you get fireworks. Wow, that's neat. Now I want to turn, I want to turn to, and I, and I, I think people can see this in the background, um, the novel Blues in the Dark, which came out last year. I'm in the midst of reading it, so you know, don't spoil the don't spoil uh, the plot for me or anything. Um, it's set in two different time periods: 1940s, the late 40s, and then present day 2020, and it flips back and forth between Blair Kendrick, who's a femme fatale movie star in noir movies in the late 40s, and Carissa Glover who's a producer in the present day and who wants to create a film about Blair Kendrick. So 
Um, it, it's, you know, it, it highlights film noir and I, and I can tell you have a love for film noir. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Well, I'm a, you know, one of my little side careers is I'm a film historian. I've taught film history for many years at a college and I write movie reviews for cinema retro magazine and other things, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm a big movie buff and film noir as, uh, as a movement of film which uh, lasted, you know, pretty much through the 1940s and into the 50s, uh, were crime movies of a sp specific style. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I love that stuff. And I wanted to kind of write a book that kind of reflected what a film noir was. So, um, what and- makes, What makes a, let me ask you this question, Raymond. What makes a really good film noir and what makes a really good book noir? Okay, well, film noir has very distinctive traits. Uh, you know, uh, one, a film might not have all the traits, but it'll have quite a few of them. First of all, there's gotta be a crime. It's gotta be in black and white. You can't have a color uh, film and be noir. Then it's neo-noir. Um, it's gotta have a lot of angst and a lot of cynicism. Usually the, the protagonist is like a hard-boiled kind of private eye that's very cynical. Uh, you've got to have very witty dialogue that uh, has a lot of innuendo, well-written, good one-liners. Uh, you usually have a femme fatale, you know, a bad girl. Uh, there's a, a, a lot of betrayals and double crosses. Uh, it's usually told from the point of view of the criminals rather than the, the police. Uh, you've got uh, corrupt authority. You've got scenes at night. You've got scenes set in like shabby bars and motels and, and you know, streets and back alleys. They're usually urban settings, uh, not always, but usually in the big city. Uh, scenes with rain, there's a lot of smoking, there's a lot of drinking, yeah. uh, and no happy ending. <laughs> no happy ending, okay. Uh, who, is, who is your favorite film noir Femme fatale of all time. Oh, I would probably have to be Barbara Stanwyck uh, in, in Double Indemnity. In fact, I think Double Indemnity is the quintessential film noir. Okay. Uh, it has everything. It has all, all those things I just mentioned. <laughs> so. Okay, let's talk about Blues in the Dark, okay? Okay. Tell us a little bit about um, Blair Kendrick, who is the femme fatale, late 40s movie star. What do, right. we, what do we know about her when we first start reading the book? Well, she is uh, new to Hollywood. She's uh, come from the Chicago area and she's kind of bright eyed and uh, you do get the sense that she's not all that innocent, but uh, she does uh, audition. She's gorgeous and has uh, acting uh, talent. And so uh, she's immediately cast and, and very quickly she moves up the ranks and, and she gets cast as the bad girl a lot. And she gets, that gets to be her reputation as, to, as a femme fatale actress. And uh, throughout the course, uh, now, you know, when I, when I wrote this book, uh, it was the year 2017. Okay. And it was before Me Too, came you know happened it was you know me too kind of happened in the fall of of 2017 i wrote this in the spring and summer it's, pre so, it's prescient it's almost prescient yeah because well it happens 
with her and um, Eldon Hirsch, who's the head of yep. the studio, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of a Harvey Weinstein type. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but also, you know, I, you know, I, my last few books with Skyhorse, The Secrets on Chicory Lane, In the Hush of the Night, and Blues in the Dark, I've kind of tackled social issues. Uh, I don't know if it's just my age or what, but I've, I've tried to blend uh, some social problems and tackling those with, you know, a thriller or a mystery. And uh, in this one, I, I, I kind of went full steam and tackled sexism and racism right. in Hollywood. Right, because her, boy, her boyfriend, Blair's love interest, Hank Marley, is an African-American. He's, he's in a band that does musician, music. Jazz musician. Um, and so you talk about the production code or the producer's code, and she is a starlet, would not be allowed to date an African-American, so they can't get caught. That's right. They have to do it in secret. And uh, that, that was real. That really was a thing uh, that uh, it was written into Star's contra contracts. You know, they had a morality clause, basically. And the production code was in effect. And, um, you know, the studios protected their image that way um, very broadly. And sometimes, you know, they had fixers who would uh, fix things that were problems. <laughs> and so there's a fixer in this, in, in the book, too. And uh, he's... He causes a lot of problems for Blair. So what, so what happens, because, because you know, Carissa Glover, now in, in the year 2019, 2020, is making a movie about Blair, but some people don't, don't want this to happen. What, yeah, what, what happened, happened was, yeah, Carissa, uh, you know, uh, actually uh, moves into a house. She, she starts renting a, an old house in the West Adams Heights area of Hollywood and it turns out this was Blair Kendrick's house and she got she kind of goes I've heard of her what happened to her and it, you know and and the story was was that she was murdered along with the studio head the same night uh, back in 1949 and she tries she, she wants to start digging into that because it sounds like an interesting story that she might want to develop you know into an, another movie and so she starts digging into it. And once the studio hears that she's digging into that story, they try to stop her. And so there's a lot of secrets, you know, going on. Yeah. And that, that helps, that helps for a good noir story too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the story goes back and forth, back and forth, back yes. and forth, you know. I like that. I like the way that you, you time-wise, you didn't do it in a, in a pure linear fashion. Um, but you went back and forth between the two women's stories and finally, you know, you're finally going to bring everything together. Uh, I really like the way that, that you did that. Um, Thank you. Did, did you learn anything when you wrote this book? Did, did you learn anything as a writer? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I mean, these days there's a lot of talk about, you know, writers writing outside their comfort, comfort zone, you know, other, uh, when you're writing, characters that are not you. <laughs> so I, you know, you really have to do the research. I went to LA, I went to those places, I talked to uh, a lot of people, I interviewed, you know, uh, African American authors, as well as women, and people just, you know, just really trying to get a sense of who, who my characters were, you know, and I had some beta readers who, who helped 
and um, it was it was tough, and I really wanted to get it right, you know, uh, no stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's that was the hardest part. In fact, I would say Blues in the Dark was probably the hardest book I ever wrote. Is that right? Yeah. Now, did yeah. you? How much of it? How much of it was outline? How much of it was organic? Um, and how much? How much did you know about your characters when you started out? How much did you discover as you wrote the book? Well, you know, you hear about writers either being a plotter or a pantser. You know, you you either plot, you do outlines, or you write by the seat of your pants. And I'm a plotter. I I from the get go. Um, I've always outlined and I've always looked at it. I mean, I admire people who can just sit down and write and just go, you know, and take off and make a book. I don't know how they do that. I couldn't do that. Uh, I have to kind of know where I'm going. I have to carefully plot out my, my outlines are prose treatments uh, that, are, that, that break out the story in block paragraphs that represent what happens in each chapter. And so I know, you know, and it takes me, I, I spend a month or two on the outline. And in many ways, that's writing the book for me. Then when I have the outline, I, I, might, I might travel, do my research, uh, physical research or anything like that. And then when I st start to write, I have the outline and I have my research and it's a lot easier. You can just go. And that doesn't mean I'm married to the outline. I mean, I can change things as I go along, and I have done that. But um, I look at it like, you know, you're a novel, you're, you're building a novel. And so you have to have the blueprints. <laughs> you know, you have to have the plans. Uh, you know, you wouldn't go shoot a movie without a screenplay. Um, so that's how I look at it. Um, you got to have your screenplay. Have you ever written a character, Raymond, where you start out and you say, here's who I think this character is. And then you're writing the novel and you get along and all of a sudden, the character's saying things that you wouldn't have anticipated when you started, doing things that you wouldn't have anticipated. And the character says, you got me wrong, Raymond. This is who I really am. You know, that's, I've heard of that happening to people, but it's never happened to me. I have, though, I've killed off a character in the mid middle of the book where I hadn't planned on doing it. Uh, it was, and then I had to rewrite the second half of the outline, but it was like, well, I was writing and I went, oh, wow, that, that, this would be a great idea to kill this person. <laughs> you know? okay. And so, you know, there's that. Off, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I tend to know who my characters are. That's, you know, that's the purpose of the outline. I kind of, I have it all built in my head and I know exactly what's going to happen. And um, you know, I, I work out all the, the twists and turns and the red herrings and all that. It's all in the outline. Okay. You're, you're very different from me. I, I, will, I will scratch out a very broad outline and then just start writing and, and see where the characters take me. Um, but I don't, have the, I don't have that kind of discipline. Um, anyway, let me pivot here. And let, let me ask you something. Yes, sir. When you're doing that, though, have you ever written yourself into like a corner where you kind of go, oh, no, what am I going to do now? Not, yeah, I guess you could call it writer's block, but it's more like you're writing and then you kind of go, uh, I got to back up and yeah. go a different direction. Have you done that? I've, I've not done that to where I can't get myself out of trouble. Um, I don't know if, if, 
if part of that stems from being a trial lawyer and just having to come up with stuff on my feet or think myself or think my client out of a problem. But if I give myself enough time, if I step away for a day or two, I can usually find a way to reconcile things so that, you know, Do you know your ending before you start. Oh, well, yes. Yes. Okay. I, I, that I do because, and the ending is what pulls me forward. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, I know writers that, that don't outline who say they don't know how the book is going to end when they start. And so I just kind of go, how do you do that? You know, that, that would be difficult for me because the ending, the ending kind of inform, informs the whole plot because I'm, I'm trying to figure out how do I get there? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So let me pivot now. Okay. And in the background, you can see the, there it is. The cut, that is a beautiful cover. Yeah, I didn't. Destiny, that is that is a marvelous cover, and it also has the word noir in. My uh, wife suggested that I bring this hat. <laughs> we're talking. We're going to be talking about noir. Um, so so tell us about Hotel Destiny. What kind of book is it, and what drew you to writing this kind of book? Well, it's a ghost story, and it's done in a in the style of of, of a noir crime novel. In fact, it, it, it is a crime novel, mystery. It, it is a mystery, murder mystery, but a ghost is the protagonist. It's about a ghost who's trying to solve his own murder. Oh, that's, now that's really neat. Is it, is it first person? It's told by the ghost in first person? or? Well, it's not first, it's in third person, but it's from his POV. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, uh, it takes place in the 80s in New York City. So the 80s was still very sleazy, and it takes and Hotel Destiny is one of these transient hotels near Times Square. So and and our our hero is uh, the hotel detective, as mm -hmm. well as the assistant man, the night manager of the this hotel. And there's all kinds of you know creepy people that come into this hotel and stuff. Well, one night, uh, uh, well, it's been taken over by this company and they've remodeled it and they're gonna you know transform it and they're, they're having this big gala fundraising costume party and uh, our hero gets murdered at that party uh, this is at the beginning of the book so uh, from then how on he, he how is he, he killed is he shot stabbed how does he yeah, not he's know shot he, he, he's in his office and somebody comes up from behind him and shoots him in the head okay yeah yeah and, so and uh there's a lot of you know, it's very, I, I, I say it's very influenced by David Lynch. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> okay. uh, you know, I was a big Twin Peaks fan and uh, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of like alternate universe stuff going on and time travel. I mean, he, he, he goes to different eras of the hotel to figure out um, what, what his destiny was because he has, okay. you know, he has, well, I, I can't give it away, but uh, there are ties to his life in the history of the hotel. Let me ask you this. He's a ghost, so I'm assuming he can't directly speak with people and question people. That he can. That, he can? He can turn it on and off. Oh, he he can he can be invisible, but then material When he wants to, he can be visible. Just like, you know, people when you when you when you read about people who say they've seen a ghost, uh -huh. they say, you know, I looked up and there he was, you know, and I tried to talk to him and I turned away and turned back and he was gone. 
Wow. You know, it's like, it's kind of like that, you know? So, uh, I mean, for him, there's a trick to it. He has to learn how to do it. Okay. <laughs> and, and he has help. There's, there are other ghosts in the hotel. Oh, <laughs> so. wow. Oh, that's neat. That, now that is neat. Is it, is it scary? Is it humorous? What's the mood? What's the mood of the book? It, well, it, the mood is very kind of hard boiled cynical, you know, like a noir. But I think there's some probably some, uh, you know, creepy sequences. I would say creepy rather than scary because okay. uh, there's some ghostly things that happen and there are murders and there's some grisly stuff in it. But I wouldn't call it a horror novel. I would just call it a paranormal mystery or a, yeah, okay. that's what the publisher is calling it is a paranormal mystery. So okay. I think that fits. A ghost noir. That's what it is. All right. Now, who, and Ray, Raymond, who is the publisher of the book? Uh, Crossroad Press is doing this one. Yeah. And tell people when the book is coming out. That'll be September 15th in uh, ebook, uh, print book, and audiobook. Okay. So it's right around the corner. Yeah. Now, if I'm a viewer and I want to find your website or your Facebook, where do I look? Well, I have a website, RaymondBenson.com, and that, that'll lead you everywhere. You know, it's got links to all my social media places and uh, links to all my books uh, on Amazon and everything uh, and my appearances and all my lectures and Zoom talks and things like that. Uh, I am on Facebook. I have uh, a personal page uh, that uh, is almost completely full, but I post a lot of stuff on that, including uh, my piano playing videos, uh, but also I have an author page, Raymond Benson Author. And, uh, or is it author Raymond Benson? It's one of those. And <laughs> uh, so I have that. And there's also a Black Stiletto page. Um, okay. It's exclusively uh, on the Black Stiletto. And uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Raymond Benson. So there you go. Okay. Well, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to close and um, people can see behind me blues in the dark. I'm reading it right now. I'm really enjoying it. Hotel Destiny coming out in September. And for everyone who just joined, you were watching my podcast called Writing Wrongs. My name is William L. Myers Jr. And I am an author like Raymond, although nowhere near as accomplished as Raymond. He um, writes good books. He writes good books. I've read some. <laughs> um, but I really encourage everyone to buy both of these books because I'm telling you, Blues in the Dark, it's a fun book. Hotel Destiny sounds like it's, it's one of the most creative, um, creative themes that I've heard in a long time. So again, Raymond Benson, Hotel Destiny, Blues in the Dark, um, the Black Stiletto, and the Bond, the Bond books that Raymond has written. A great guy, a great writer. Raymond, thank you so much for being on, on the show. Thank you so much, Bill. You're very nice. That's that was that was a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thank you, Raymond.